Welcome into another edition of Sportball. I'm your boy Sam. With me, as always, are my two just people that I admire the most in my young life. Oh, thank you. Seth, Kyle, and Lynn Manuel Miranda. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's probably the best compliment I've gotten in years. And I still don't believe it. So, uh, how are you guys? It's March Madness week. Well. March Madness, baby. I am pumped. I was telling them off the air right before this, it might be my favorite sporting event of the year. Of the whole year. Except the Masters, obviously, because I won one Masters fantasy tournament. <laughs> I mean, I think it's hard because, like, what are the what are the boundaries of a sporting event? Like, What's the Mount Rushmore? Why do you always do this? <laughs> could you say the, Mount entire, like, all the time? What's the NBA Mount Rushmore playoffs? Sporting events. I was I would say it goes NBA Finals and this neck and neck and then Super Bowl. Why is it just the finals? March Madness is the whole tournament, so wouldn't it be the whole NBA playoffs? I don't know. I just thought it was five minutes ago. <laughs> and I'm just well, asking just now, right now. Rushmore sporting events. My it's favorite March Madness my favorite like day or two days is the second round of the NBA playoffs. It's interesting. There's still lots of games, and usually they're really good because, you know, first round there's it's usually like the one seeds win, you know, and then second round it's like you get the really good matchups, and there's like multiple games every day. So, I am particularly favorite. bullish on NFL Week Seven. Intriguing. That's a good one. <laughs> You've got just enough sample size from the season to really know who teams are. Yeah, that's exactly. Fair. That's why I love it. Um, so we will talk March Madness today because our listeners crave it. Kyle's going to really crank this podcast back out by the time uh, brackets start playing. So yeah, you'll we'll, have we'll, some we'll have info. Wednesday drop. Special yeah, you'll have some drop. info. Look for it Wednesday. You'll have info in your pocket. Look to for win it your today, the day that you're listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are you listening right now? It must be Wednesday. And look um, for it. So... <laughs> But we're going to save that to the end to entice the listeners to really stream them along for the entire podcast. First, we're going to hit the NBA, our bread, our butter. We know what side our butter's bread on, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys know this, but the NBA trade deadline is fast approaching. It is on the 25th of March this year because we have this weird 72-game um, season. So we're going to go over our most interesting teams to watch at the deadline. And kind of go over, you know, what would we do if we were their GM? Would we be buyers? Would be would we be sellers? It must be mentioned that uh, the seller pool is quite smaller than it has been in years past because of this playing tournament, right? So now you have ten teams in each conference making the playoffs, and then you have the two to three right behind the ten seed that think they can, you know, get in there, right? So it really whittles down the number of sellers at the deadline. With that in mind, let's just jump right into it. I had everyone pick their own teams that they want to talk about. Uh, Seth, let's start with you with the Sacramento Kings of California of Anaheim. <laughs> um, yeah. Sacramento was actually one of my favorite teams growing up. I love the, the sea web era Kings and it's really just been a shame to see this whole franchise take a nosedive ever since then. Um so putting myself in the in the spot in the seat of the GM, if you will, it's a really tricky position to be in. So 
at the taping of this podcast, they're at 15 and 24. Um, so really just not looking good for them um, in the standings. And yeah, they're, it's, they're 13th, right? Now, now they're only above two teams. They've had some major blow up, like fourth quarter blow ups too, like recent, like within the two last. against the Hornets actually, yeah. right? Yeah, so they're just giving up leads. Um, it feels like typical Sacramento things where they just don't have a winning culture. Um, it seems like on paper they should be pretty good. And I kind of like all their players. Um, obviously, the the biggest star on their team is De'Aaron Fox. I think we all like his upside and think he'll continue to grow. Um, I love – Rashawn Holmes, who shoots, I believe, 85% on push shots, um, which are these little, like, almost floaters, like, middle of the lane, a few steps in from the free throw line. He's just got that shot down. Um, and then, of course, Kyle's boy. Everyone's boy, really. Sam was – he was Sam's boy first, I think, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I gave birth to him, but I gave him to Kyle to raise. <laughs> Sam probably exactly. couldn't even tell you what college he played for. Iowa State. Come on now. Oh, immediately. I'm really quite su- surprised, but that's probably because <laughs> I told him before the draft happened where he was coming from. Hey, when we had our draft podcast, you can check the receipts. I said I want the Bulls to draft Tyrese, my boy. But I like Patrick, so I'm okay with him. Anyway, tell us more about the Kings, Seth. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think the the conventional idea would be they should be sellers and try to get what they can for either Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, or both. Cause those are younger players who have a lot of good skills that con- contending teams would want. And they don't really fit the timeline of the team apparently since the Kings clearly aren't going to win this year. I wonder I think if you get a really good offer for either of those players, you got to do it. And if you can get like unprotected draft picks, you got to do it. Yeah. But I wouldn't be in a hurry to sell them just to sell them. I think the Kings just, whatever is in the water there in Sacramento. um, (laughs) It's Luke Walden. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) He's not long for that team. I don't think. I hope not. Fuck Luke Walden. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's one change that they can make is coaching. But I also think they just need to start winning games. And even if you can get like above 500 and it, I mean, they were the one year the Celtics had their draft pick, they had like a great season. But um, <laughs> other than that, I just feel like all of this, the culture of losing is not really helpful. And even when they do get a good draft pick, I don't really have any confidence that they're going to pick the right person anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It feels like a few years ago when they had the third pick and then they took Marvin back or was a second pick. They took Marvin Bagley. Yeah. And like, that was their chance. If they had made a smart pick there, if they'd taken Luca. Right. Um, well, it should be mentioned Lockett that Bagley just... may be one of the worst players in the league right now. <laughs> Vladi had qualms with Luca's father. I'm pretty sure. So can't draft that. <laughs> But well, now they're having problems with Bagley's father, so out of the frying pan into the fire, it seems. <laughs> um, and I mean, it obviously multiple teams like missed out on Luca and should have taken him, right? But they also could have gotten 
Jaron Jackson Jr., Trey Young, even like Shea Gilgis Alexander, either of the Bridges is Michael Porter Jr. Even like Dante DiVincenzo would be better than Marvin Bagley at this point, right? So yeah. I just feel like they almost had Dante. That's true. Mm-hmm. They almost traded for him. Yeah. <laughs> true. So it's like, I don't really have any confidence that if they try to do a, a full, like blow it up, let's just get rid of healed and, um, and Harrison Barnes to try to get some draft picks and really rebuild tank. I just feel like they're probably not going to pick the right players anyways. So they might as yeah. well figure out the best with what they have now. If they get a big offer, like great. And the other thing is like, can you swap Bagley for anything of value? Maybe a Probably team not. buys in and says, well, he's a top draft pick. He just needs yeah. to change the scenery. Like maybe what they need is more of those good players now. Not that it's going to turn around their season, but at least next year they could be competitive if they get a new coach and maybe have another uh, one or two more yeah. like solid veterans that can at least lead them into like, contention for the play-in game and it's obviously hard in the west but i just feel like the kings as a fan base and as a franchise like need some kind of scrappy team to cheer for that'll like maybe sniff the playoffs i mean yeah i mean they have good players like you said i think i what i would do is first of all i'd fire luke walton secondly i'd trade buddy healed because i think he has a lot of value more than harrison barnes yeah he may know about everyone needs shooters right uh, and then I would just put Tyrese in the starting lineup. Tyrese Fox ride with Barnes as well. Um, I would try to trade Bagley if he has any value because Rashawn is just better, right? Um, Bialica isn't really doesn't even crack the rotation anymore. He has still his value. I'd get rid of him too. So I think I think they get still can Bagley sell and, and remain pretty good, right? Or still retain mm-hmm. their best players. You know what I'm saying? Right. I saw the prospect of possibly um, John Collins. And that would be a delight, in my opinion. If you can get, you know, Rashawn and John Collins on the court at the same time as both Darren Fox and Tyrese, you have two big men that are really good in the pick and roll, two guards that work extremely well in the pick and roll. That could be extremely lethal. I would like that for them, for sure. Well, I'm hearing all this. That bill where it's someone who's good, like still young, obviously, but already established. think we need to talk about though Harrison Barnes is quietly become an extremely good and valuable player I know Sam you said that Buddy Heald's better than him I don't think that's true anymore, I mean I least. think he just has more value because he's a shooter but I think Harrison Harrison you know, Barnes Har- affects the game much more than yeah than Buddy does but I, I almost feel like Harrison's a more winning player than Buddy right he has the finals in the finals experience and everything too which yeah you know obviously we, we thought he was kind of just a product of the golden state warriors which pretty much you know when they were at full health that's essentially what he was but a couple of years later now and here we are harrison barnes contributing to one of the best contributors on on a t- on a middling team that yeah can be a playoff team if they had the right you know Right surrounding players, infrastructure, and, and coach, yeah. Seth, I told you the other day that I think Barnes will be the perfect fit for the Celtics even more than, than Vucevic. Do you agree with that? Um, 
No, let me tell you why. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have either one of them, and I'd be happy with Barnes, but I don't think he's the playmaker that we need. Um, I beg to differ. Okay. <clears throat> and obviously, if they do trade him to the Celtics, I'll immediately think he's like one of the greatest playmakers in the league. But, I mean, he's averaging three and a half assists a game. Like, for a wing, I feel like I would want that to be a few ticks higher. Um, and I think Vooch, like, is someone you can really run your offense through, um, where he is, like, essentially the Magic's entire offense. Um, I feel like Barnes is more of a complimentary player, and we already have so many, like, really good complimentary players where we'll just end up with the same kind of issue where it's like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn kind of thing. Yeah. What we really need is like someone who makes other players better on the team. And I don't know if Harrison is quite at that point. He's like, he's someone who exceeds in his role and excels in his role, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he makes his teammates that much better. And I think Booch like, isn't, he's not your prototypical, like Steve Nash kind of player Booch. But you can run the offense through him. So, yeah. Uh, I just want to get, I want someone else besides Semi Overdelay playing those minutes. That's kind of where I was <laughs> coming from. But, um, all right. We've raised, we're yeah. like 15 minutes in and we've only talked about the Kings. So let's move on. Uh, Kyle, let's talk about the first team that you were tasked with the Houston Rockets. Your boys, Sans Harden trying to find their way in the wilderness, lost 15 straight, 14th in the West. It would seem that Victor Oladipo and PJ Tucker would be the one, the players that they are selling if they do, correct? Yeah, and I think it's kind of what we've seen uh, in the majority of talks around the Houston Rockets. Um, you know, we kind of wondered why they got Vic in the first place. Um Obviously, it's so that they could flip him and try and get some additional assets um, is what it seems right now. We have, right, we haven't seen Christian Wood in what seems like months at this point. Um, They're on, what, a 15-game, 16-game losing streak without Christian Wood. But I I like that the upside that they could have when Christian Wood is fully healthy with... John Wall and with Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Porter Jr. has flourished the last three games since he's been called up from the G League. He showed out in the G League. I think he had the first triple-double of the G League this year and I think his first game in the G League. He looks great. He kind of looks like the prospect that we expected Kevin Porter Jr. to be when he was never been an on-the-court issue with him, right? We always know the talent is there. Yeah, it's always been kind of a, a mental mental thing off the court issues like you mentioned but I think it obviously they're in the west they're in the tougher division of the two so it's going to be tough within the next year or two no matter what but I think trading Vic and being able to get either a young player back and a draft pick or a higher draft pick and then using that to build around Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood is something that really excites me, oh. mainly being a Kevin Porter Jr. and especially a Christian Wood fan. So they're obviously sellers 
they have nowhere to go but up really in the Western Conference. Victor's not part of the long-term vision as it seems. Okay, but why isn't he though? My question is if you're going to choose to trade for Victor Oladipo over Karis LeVert and it must be said over Ben Simmons, now you're just going to flip him at the deadline for James Harden so you got nothing? No single player for James Harden? Hopefully they get picks, which is what they need. They were what they had like no picks. How are you supposed to do any type of rebuilding without any picks? So okay, but we can't come on our one of our previous pods and lambast them for not taking Karis over Vic or taking Ben over Vic, and then come on no, this podcast think... and say we're they we think we should, they should flip Vic and that'd be a good move for them, right? Well, at this point, I think it's a good move. Obviously, Karis, I still think would have been the better option. I mean. If, so you're saying now that they have Vic in-house and they made that mistake, the best way to rectify it is to trade him for picks. Yeah, and who's to say that they wouldn't have been trading Karras for picks too? They probably would have. Exactly, because Karras is on a much friendlier deal. It would have been easier to ship him for better picks, but I don't know why they made – we'll never know why they made that call in the first place. But I, yeah. I think that they probably would have ended up trading either one of them, especially after Christian Wood got injured and – their whole season just completely tanked. They have nothing to play for now. Seth, if you were a contending team, would you want Vic? Or would you want PJ? It all depends on your situation, right? But do you, do you think either of those players offer value to a contending team? Didn't even mention PJ, but yeah. he's out. It's interesting to think about who Victor Oladipo is. Like, when you look at his basketball reference, right, there is the one all-star year, which was back in 17-18. So he's 23 a game on 37% shooting from three and, you know, four assists, five rebounds. And he was, he was an all-star that year, I think. Right. And he was even all NBA. Yeah. And then since then, obviously he had the big injury and he's never shot better than, well, actually with Indiana earlier in the year, he was shooting 36% from three. So he's like an average three-point shooter, right? And he can still score. He's still, even with the Rockets, he's been averaging 20 a game. So I guess I'm not sure. It's it's amazing how players so quickly sometimes go in the NBA from star player Victor Oladipo that anyone would love to have on their team to this version of Victor Oladipo, who like statistically, yeah, he's averaging three less, three fewer points a game and like not quite shooting it as well. But, like, is he really that different than he was a couple years ago? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's something with the eye test. I haven't watched a ton of Rockets games um, where they just I think he still could contribute, not... you know? I think in his role, like, I think he was good for the Pacers. I do. I mean. Yeah, so I, think is, I don't I'm, think Oladipo's the number one guy, which is essentially what he's no. almost being tasked to be on Houston. Yeah, yeah. So you slot but, him in as your, as your third best guy or something. I think that's a right. great fit. Yep, definitely. And PJ, you know, people have said his shooting is falling off. He looks washed. I mean, he doesn't have James Harden anymore, giving him those great looks, you know. So I think I think PJ could slot in nicely for the Bucks, you know, for the Nets, for really any contending team who just needs a little size and, and shooting, right? Yeah, I don't know. go back to with the Nets. Myself. Reunite him with James. No, thank you. I would mind that. I would mind that because it'd be good for the Nets. Am I sneaky enjoying watching the Nets? 
No. <laughs> it's not sneaky at all. Okay, let's go to my first team. The, the uh, Charlotte Hornets of Charlotte. Hmm. So they are now 20 and 18, sixth in the East. If I were them, I would, dare I say, be a buyer at the deadline because that 60 is wide open. Um, and they're just legit pretty good. Okay. And really what they need is some help at the center. Uh, rolling out the, the Cody Zeller, Bismarck, Biombo combination isn't great. I would like PJ just to play, see more, more minutes play at the PJ center. PJ at the center position. It's not that yeah, hard. Yeah, but it's good. You need another one then. I mean, I don't want it's Cody or Bismarck to be getting any, any minutes, mind you. Um, I could, you know, could they go after Al Horford? Could they go would, after a, a more a more bargain center? I don't know. I, I If they add another piece, I really think they could lock up that sixth seed. I don't know. This is a good team, you know? I have been contemplating for the last at least three to four days betting on them to be first in their division. At I don't know why you really haven't done that. Yeah, I know. Well, they have a tough stretch of games coming up here. I think the next like four or five games are tough. And but Miami's then they, been hot, hot, hot. Miami has been hot. But after these next five games for the Hornets, I'm pretty sure they have the easiest strength of schedule in the league or close to it. And Miami has a pretty difficult schedule to end the year. So if they drop a couple games here with these next couple next couple games, get that price up to maybe seven to one, seven and a half to one, I'm pouncing. Yeah, then your hands are tied, right? I mean, you're just a man who who scours the seas for good odds. You know, I was thinking today when I was looking at the standing, it's like we've had all this rigmarole about how the East is all topsy-turvy, and we look at it now, it's Sixers, Nets, Bucks, Heat, Celtics, top five seats. It's like, okay, well, that's what we all thought they would be coming to the season. Um, Don't we have a bet on Pacers, Bulls, though? No. Pacers, Celtics. Pacers, oh, okay. Celtics. Never mind. I'm feeling good. Pacers are a 10 seed, it must be mentioned. So I don't know why Kyle's feeling good. But. <laughs> yeah, but the the 5 and the 11 seed are separated by like three games. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like they're the 13th seed. Uh, the one surprise in the East, we should say, which transitions nicely to Seth here, are the Raptors of Toronto slash Tampa Bay, who are now 17 and 22, find themselves 11th in the East because they've had a lot of players out due to injuries and covid um, so obviously the big piece talked about at the deadline is Kyle Lowry, Kyle, big butt Lowry, biggest ass this side of the West coast. So Seth, do you think they end up moving Lowry? Do you think they should move Lowry? If you were Masai Ujiri, would you do it? Well, it is uh, a stretch to think that I would know half as much as Masai Ujiri, but, um, so I don't know what they'll do. Masai's unpredictable. I would I would trade Lowry though. I think he's got so much value right now. Assuming they could get the value, I think they could, which I feel like he's one of the few players who's at least theoretically on the market, right? That a contending team would legitimately feel like, all right, he puts me over the hump where I can yeah. win the championship now. Like if you join the Bucks, if you join the Sixers, the they could say to themselves, "Yeah, the they could say to themselves, all right, now we have the goods to beat the Nets." Yeah, I mean, he would be the best player available mm-hmm. to trade deadline, you know. So, I think, given that logic, 
they should be able to get a haul back for him, which I think this year there's just too many challenges for Toronto, for Tampa Bay, because A, they're in Tampa Bay. They're, you know, all this talk about how difficult the bubble was and no, they're not in a bubble, but none of them get to be at their homes. They're, you know, figuring out a living situation for a year and having to do that and, you know, all of the extra stress and organization that comes with that. And then just all the COVID, like players being out because of the health and safety protocol and just struggles. I think it's time to make a change. Um, they, and then the other thing is like, okay, so you lose Kyle Lowry and you've got Fred Van Vliet to step in a point guard. Like, That's the thing, right? It's not like, it's not like, okay, we're trading our best player. We're tanking. It's like, we have our heir apparent who is basically a younger Kyle Lowry and plays the exact same way waiting in the wings. Right. Exactly. So, again, similar to the Kings, I love a lot of their players. And I think having a core of Van Vliet and Siakam and then adding in, like, Norm Powell, OG, and Anobi, and some of those other guys, Stanley Johnson, like, that's a core I'm fine with working working around. So, yeah, I, I would sell, see what I can get. Um, and I'm still, like, bullish on the, the Raptors' future. Yeah, but I don't think this year is in the cards for them. Agreed. Kyle, anything more to add on the Raptors? No, I'd love to see Lowry go to uh, Miami, like I just mentioned. Though. Miami, perfect fit. Philly, perfect fit. The Clippers would love to get him. Miami, I feel like just that culture. Miami is so perfect for Kyle Lowry. Kyle or PJ, if either one of them goes there, it's like they were made to be in Miami. <laughs> um, Kyle. Let's talk about your next team, our very own Chicago Bulls. What do you think they should do at the deadline? And this is a tough one because some nights they're so fun to watch and look great. Other nights they just get completely demolished. Obviously, I want to say they need to be sellers, but that's because they need to sell most likely like marketing. I, I don't know if his trade value is really ever going to be higher than it might be right now. Ever since he came back from that injury, he's been aggressive. He's been hitting his threes. Um, he's been just a great player for them. Blocks on one end, hustling down the floor, getting a wide open three, stuff like that. I'm pretty much out on Wendell Carter Jr. at this point. I just don't know what more, what more we need to see from him, you know, He's had his injuries here and there. Yeah, that hasn't been great, but he just hasn't turned into the player. I think that, you know, we expected him to be. Um, So we need to part with him is my opinion. I think we wanted to get rid of Levine, but the, the leaps that he's made over the last two years is just enormous. And like, he's the perfect type of player that we have right now to build around. Yeah. Um, You know, his first year as an all-star, right? He's just looks incredible. His playmaking abilities have really improved over the last two years. Um, Yeah. He's still not the best defensive player, but he's so much more, more of a, at least average defender than what we've ever seen him be um, to what he does on offense kind of offsets that for the most part. Yeah. And I don't really know, man. I don't know about, yeah, it's Kobe tough. White. Like, what do we do? 
he's shown flashes too, but he's just way too inconsistent in my opinion. So Kobe, yeah. You know, Thaddeus Young know. has been great for the team. Thaddeus um, is definitely is definitely the the one that teams would be hankering for. Right, uh, exactly. That can help winning. I had written down here same thing. I I said I think if I were them, I would keep Thaddeus and trade Laurie, uh, market him because yeah, if possible. To me, if we're trying to build a decent team around Levine, we just need three and D players, defensive stoppers. I think Patrick Williams will grow into that. I've been very impressed with him on the defensive end this year, covering the likes of LeBron and um, like other just big wings. He had a great offensive game the other night too. Like incredible. And he's shown flashes on offense. So I think he's the perfect player to pair next to Levine. Laurie is not because he's not an elite defender and he's just supposed to be a shooter and he's a 36% 36 career three-point shooter. So what is he really offering to us? Right. So I agree with your, his, his value is an all-time high. I would let him go. Um, but you know we can add a few pieces on the fringes and try to make a playoff run, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad about it. You know I, I think we're not going to be tanking like we're not that bad, so we might as well just you know add a few pieces on the fringes, maybe trade Laurie and see what see what happens in the play-in. Right, we have no, we have no chance of the title, obviously, but right. Chicago, especially with the news that we received um, out of Bears camp today, we're hankering for some some type of uh, postseason team. Why would you I even think, bring that up to me? I'm already at an all-time low after hearing that news. Seth, if you haven't heard it, we uh, our big splash for quarterback this offseason was not Russell Wilson, not even Sam Darnold, but it was, in fact, Andy Dalton. Dalton, baby. Who looked so. atrocious on the Cowboys, <laughs> despite all the weapons he had, and we have no weapons. So is he going to so, get any better? What is that going to – Kyle, if, if that was the last straw for your Bears – fandom are we getting anywhere close to that for your bulls fandom like no what do they have to do to... no we Honestly, were there with the jim boylan era yeah. bulls but okay. with the with the change in management and uh, and billy donovan yeah i don't know about you those Kyle, moves, but... once yeah once we essentially just changed gms yeah <laughs> our gm infrastructure i was back in on the bulls especially with everything that's been happening with levine like i said this year yeah Obviously, we know what Billy Donovan could do, um, so I'm not out. I'm not out on the Bulls by any means. I think our future is extremely bright. Yeah, I was gonna say like I don't know about you, but and I feel this way too. And I think most Bulls fans do. It's like this seems kind of fun. I enjoy it. You know, like we have. I like watching Levine. Billy Donovan is a professional coach. It seems like we have a good front office. So that's all you can ask for, really. And we'll that's see. Uh, see yeah. what happens going forward. Um, all right, I'm gonna talk about my second team and my third team just real quick. I had to hit on these two because they're going to be busy. (laughs) They're going to be busy at the trade deadline. First of all, the Spurs who sit right now in the seventh seat in the West at uh, 20 and 16, very interesting mix of players in the Spurs. Um, They have these veterans in DeRozan, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge to lesser extent, Patty Mills, that teams would be interested in maybe. Although, it would seem LaMarcus, he's not playing anymore. They know they're going to try to trade him. I don't know if there's a trade out there for him. I think he might get bought out, actually, which is kind of – it happens so fast sometimes, doesn't it? You know, he was just a solid player for all those years, and now he just has no trade value. Um, and maybe rightfully so, he's been pretty terrible this year. Um, so if I were them, I would definitely try to trade LaMarcus as they are. I would probably try to trade DeRozan. They have a nice young core of players. I mean – I had to write them all down because there's so many, but DeJounte, Derek White, my boy, my beloved, uh, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, it must be said, 
Jakob Purtle, Devin Vassell. I mean, you know, are one of those guys going to be a star you can build around? Maybe, maybe not. Deontay. But there's a lot of nice pieces that they can that they can uh, <laughs> at least develop there. So if I were them, I would just get rid of the veterans and ride with this young team. I mean, I don't mind keeping DeRozan, but I mean, you are the seventh seed now, but you're obviously not a championship contender. I like all those young guys. You know, it's time to transition. One hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. This is just like a such a new proposition for Popovich, you know, having to actually kind of be forced to play rookies and younger players as much as he has been just because he doesn't have those Tony Parker's, Monty Ginobili's, those those type of players anymore. So it's been interesting, but it's honestly really impressive what he's been able to do with the team, obviously sitting in the seventh seed in the West when I didn't really pencil them in, I guess, for a uh, for a playoff team in the first place. I do wonder, like, how how much longer does Pop coach? Like, what's his angle? Yeah. When when does he feel happy stepping away? You know, he doesn't feel the drive anymore. That that urge doesn't burn in his heart. Yeah, Seth asked him last week. That's why he knows. <laughs> that's what he said. We're having a glass of wine. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, all right, real quick, I want to hit on one more team because I do actually think that they might trade like two or three players. The Orlando Magic, sitting at 13-26, 14th in the, um, in the East a lot due to injuries, right? They lost uh, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac for the year. So they might be sitting around saying, okay, we're going to get those guys back next year. Let's see what happens. But this is obviously a lost year for them, and they have veterans that people are interested in. We've talked about Vujovic. My guess is they keep him at least, but the other ones, I mean, they have Evan Fournier. People might be interested in Aaron Don't Gordon. Google's last name. What's that? Don't Google Fournier's last name. Why? Just don't do it. <laughs> I have to now. <laughs> I highly recommend against it. Okay. Well, you can't stop me. Okay. Yeah, I Googled it. Response. Oh, I think oh. I've seen this before actually. Yeah. Yeah, don't Google it, folks. Um, so I, I, I bet if I were guessing, I bet that I bet they do sell Fournier. Um, probably maybe Terrence Ross too. He could be a spark plug off the bench for a contender. I I don't know yeah, Aaron be... Gordon. Who is Aaron Gordon even? What I don't know be? if Aaron Gordon knows who he is. <laughs> it's pretty clear that he doesn't. So I don't know. I almost feel like if I was the Orlando Magic GM, I'd be like, listen, we had our run with these core players. What do we do? We lost in the first round twice. Let's blow it up. You know, I would keep Vooch though. I hate to say it, but I would keep Vooch as well. Yeah. I mean, anyone else would be fair game if I get a good offer though. I think. Yeah. I would trade everyone, but Vooch and try to build around him. I love Jonathan Isaac in the future too. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to trade Isaac now. No, no, no. How he was last year. Well, I think it might be time to transition to the madness of March. It's what you guys have been waiting for. You want to know how to win your office pool. And luckily you have two people on here who have never watched college basketball in their young lives. So we're here (laughs) to help you. Um, We want to go over quickly our first round upset potential teams. And then we all want to just say our final four in our championship so that everyone can laugh at us when our brackets are busted within the first weekend um how actually i'm going to start kyle and you can just take 
it after there because I do have one upset in mind. I know you probably have like five, so I'll get mine out of the way first. I like Utah State over Texas Tech. Our listeners might ask themselves, Sam, have you watched a minute of either of these teams play all year? The answer is no. But after doing some research, it seems like this is the perfect opportunity for Utah State and a terrible matchup for Texas Tech. Texas Tech is the 304th team in the nation at three-point rate. Can't be good. There's not that – I mean, there's barely more than 304 teams in the nation. So basically, they do a lot of their scoring inside. What are they going to find inside? A seven-foot star. Now, I might mess up his name. Kyle, you can correct me. Nemus Quaita? Nemius. Close enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Utah State – on the backs of Nemius, they block 14.6% of their opponent's shots. Okay? That's insane. That's seventh in the league. 42.9% teams shoot against them inside of the three-point arc. So I just feel like if, or if we have a team that's not good at three-point shooting against a team that protects the rim, one of the best in the nation, that to me is the perfect – those are the perfect ingredients in my little cauldron for an upset. Kyle, do you, do you do you support me in this, being someone who actually watches college basketball? Yeah, that's a fantastic call. That was uh, – they're one of my top upsets um, of the first round as well. Uh, pretty much everything you mentioned, Texas Tech is like a very not trustworthy offense, as you mentioned. Not great from three. They're going up against, honestly, one of the best defenses in the nation um, – Utah State is eighth in adjusted defensive efficiency in the entire nation, 15th in defensive um, effective field goal percentage, and fifth in defensive um, offensive rebounding rate. So they allow one of the least amount of offensive rebounds in the league, uh, in the league, in the nation. So really just one of those perfect setups for an 11-6 upset in the first round here. I did not know any of that. I don't know any of their players, but I already picked them in my bracket. So you must have had a sense. Seth, why don't you tell us your upset, which I know is going to be Syracuse. Just tell me why. I reject the fact that you think I'm going to pick Syracuse as my upset just because I went there. A lot of people are picking them, actually. They're a popular upset pick. I'm actually picking Syracuse because – I went there uh, and because I don't know anything about college basketball this year, but I do know that year after year teams struggle against Syracuse in March madness because of their zone defense. And that's coach Beheim's big scheme. It's his, his coaching hallmark. And it's very hard to replicate that zone defense in practice because when you're playing against the second unit, you don't have these long guys with seven foot wingspan and quick feet like, like Syracuse often does, you know, on their team. So it's really hard to prepare against that when most of the year you're playing against man to man. And then suddenly you're playing against this like enormous zone defense. Um, So oftentimes Syracuse succeeds, you know, several years ago, I think they were the 11 seed nine seed something like that and they made it yeah they made it to a final four so who knows they're in the same bracket as the 
Illinois of Urbana-Champaign. And uh, it would be interesting to see if they could possibly meet in the Elite Eight and we could have a clash of our alma maters. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be really fun. Uh, all right, Kyle, give us a couple upsets. I know you've been hankering. Uh, I do want to say uh, I'm not convinced Syracuse wins that game. Uh, either way, my favorite upset. I mean, favorite. who is really? They're, they're, a, they're an underdog anyway. We're not convinced of it. Uh, my favorite upset of the entire first round is none other than the Ohio Bobcats against the four-seed Virginia. Virginia hasn't played in weeks due to uh, due to COVID. I don't even think they've begun practicing for March Madness yet. Um, so who's to say they're even going to be fielding a, a full, their normal starting five? We don't know. And second of all, Ohio is just good. <laughs> they have um, – they'll have the best player on the court in the matchup in Jason Preston. Uh, he's a third-year player, NBA caliber player, might go even like late first round, if not early second round. He's averaging 17 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, two steals a game. Um, he's the little mellow ball. Yeah, he's essentially like uh, – yeah, that's a great uh, way to put it. He's shooting 53% from the field and 40% from three. Like, he's just electric. Um, so, for those of you listening, you're welcome. Put all your money on Ohio in the first round. Ohio, Utah State, book it. That's, that's two of the three legs of my, my first, first round parlay that I've put down already. Um, let's see, who else? Give me, give me one more good one. One more good one. Okay. Same. I'm going to stay with the same region, the West. Um, so it, it, it's not a for sure thing though. Obviously it's a yeah. underdog, but these are just suggestions for the listeners. This is, also, definitely gonna win. this is also uh, a play-in team. <laughs> so it really relies on them winning the play-in to even make it. But Drake. The so, rapper? Yes, he's here. <laughs> um, obviously, I've talked to you, Sam, many times that that matchup would be against USC, who has arguably maybe the second uh, pick in the NBA draft and Evan yeah. Mobley on their team. Yeah. Who's just incredible, incredible player. But the thing is, if Drake, uh, they have a player named Hemphill, if he plays, um, then that's the. So this is one of my picks that I'm waiting for the last minute to get confirmation if Hemphill is going to be playing. If he's going to be playing, he offers so much more to that offense to be able to beat USC. Um, and that's probably my other dark horse. My, my dark horse pick as an upset would be Drake against USC. I love it. Book it. I'm picking, uh, I'm picking Jay-Z against UCLA. So hopefully those two will meet in the final. Uh, speaking of the final, let's all list our final fours in our championship just for funsies. Uh, I'll go first. Thank you for asking. So I'll take Who's Baylor first. <laughs> I'll take Baylor out of the South. Uh, in the Midwest, I'll take Illinois. Baylor. I mean, our, I, I have to. What's that? Baylor. I hardly know her. You really had to get that one in there, huh? I did. <laughs> uh, Midwest, I'll take Illinois. 
I, I got to talk about my boys for a second here. I mean, this is like Ooh. I said earlier before the pod, our best team since 05 when we won the championship. I'm getting a little nervous because it seems like every expert is picking us to make the championship. So that always makes me nervous. But we are, I would say, the second or third best team in the country. Um, just won the Big Ten championship in a nail biter over Ohio State. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel really confident in this team. Of course, you know, we could lose to anyone as the tournament, but I really feel like we can play to anyone with anyone. I feel like if this does end up being the matchup on that side of the bracket, Baylor and Illinois, um, we lost to them very early in the season, but I feel like we're just so much better now. I think we can get past them again. So, so I have them, I have Gonzaga in the West. I mean, they're undefeated. My hands are tied. And then I feel like the East, the East is one where I could really see a lot of teams coming out of that one. I don't know. I just don't have that much confidence from Michigan after seeing my team, Illinois, beat them without our best player. Um, and Michigan lost one of their best players, too, for the tournament. Yeah, is he going to be Livers back or not? Out, it, no. Okay. So so I have Alabama coming out of there right now. Um, they're second in defensive efficiency in the nation, so I really like that that um, kind of mold as a, as a tournament team. So that's what I have right now. I'm not really married to that, but um, – and then I have Illinois and Gonzaga in the final and Illinois winning, obviously. I mean, my hands are tied. What was your score? I don't have a score written down, but I'll go uh, 67, 64. Okay. <laughs> I haven't actually filled I out have, a bracket yet, so I don't know. I have the same uh, two teams in the championship right now, but again, this is just my first bracket. It's it's far from being complete, so this is definitely probably going to change, but I do also have Illinois and Gonzaga making it. I feel like every expert has those two in the championship, which makes me nervous because that's what I'm going to end up picking. <laughs> I mean, Gonzaga is just like – way too good yeah tilly's too good and then um if uh, what's his name i can't think of it right now their point guard suggs suggs yeah oh, that's, exactly that's a little bit of college basketball knowledge for you kyle i said tilly and i meant timmy they used to have a tilly on their team now it's yeah. a timmy <laughs> timmy's like extremely underrated like if jalen suggs wasn't on the team timmy would most likely be talked about as being one of the best players in the nation but yeah but because they're sugs you know everyone's going to talk about him but so obviously they're, they're two of my final four and then like you said the east man it's just that's such a wide open bracket in my opinion um i have yukon coming out of there but i was extremely tempted to also make it saint bonaventure saint bonaventure is also my team for they're going to be my uh Loyola Chicago of like three years ago, mm-hmm. the Bonnies are going to make a run. They're going to go dancing. I mean, the thing so, is we always have one of our final four be a seed lower than three. So you got to, you know, you got almost got to take a shot with one, you know? Right. So, I, and I definitely like it to be a team coming out of the East just because yeah. I'm not, not sold on Michigan, obviously without livers, Alabama, even though they're good, I don't think that, they're not one of the best two seeds that there are. Um, and then coming out of the South, I actually have Arkansas over Baylor in the, in the that uh, elite eight game. I can see it. Seth, what's your final four? Syracuse and three others? Actually, just Syracuse playing themselves <laughs> twice. Um, no, actually, um, I have Gonzaga and Illinois out of hey. respect. And 
Um, out of the south, I've got Nova. Just institutional, you know, longevity, awareness. And I've got Texas out of the east. because I can see Texas coming out of the east, too. I used to like them a lot. Um, and I have uh, Texas and Nova in the final with Texas wow. 67-61. That would be wild. You have Texas over Villanova? Yep. I have Villanova losing in the first round. <laughs> My justification is that I have none. That's It's hard to argue with that. Well, I can't wait for all of our brackets to be busted after the first few games. Looking forward to it. My favorite time of the year. Um, that'll do it for this episode. Everyone check us out on Instagram and Twitter. I started tweeting. I learned how to tweet. So uh at sportball underscore pod on both and you can see gifts of Shaq wiggling his shoulders if you're so interested um any other final thoughts boys i know seth you don't have any but kyle i know you do uh lastly uh moorhead state over west virginia and syracuse in the um round of 32 Moorhead State's going to the Sweet 16, baby. It's hard to argue with Moorhead, am I right? Can't go wrong.